You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. You can uh, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Matthew chapter 6. We're going through our uh, series called Manifesto of the King, the Sermon on the Mount. Today's sermon is called Treasures. God, would you open our hearts to not what we want, not what we've grown up with, but simply what you've told us. You are... Uh, a great God who lays things out in a very simple fashion for us humans. And so we thank you, help us to hear what you're saying, and to apply it to our lives so that we're not uh, like the Pharisees, uh, but we are genuine followers of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in chapter 5, uh, we had been looking at how Jesus says that citizens of his kingdom, how citizens of the kingdom of God, followers of Jesus Christ, those who have made an uh, intentional f- uh, focus to follow after him, are supposed to act the way they're supposed to live, how kingdom people live, how their character is to be manifested, how Jesus wants to live through them in specific ways. Then in chapter 6, Jesus has been so far correcting some of the religious behaviors that some of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, were doing that weren't the ways that Jesus wanted them to live. Uh, they were giving in a way, they were praying in a way, and they were fasting in a way that was all about the spectacle, all about, look at me, aren't I so religious? And they were missing the heart, the motives behind generosity and prayer and fasting, that it's to get God's attention, that we're to do it in such a way that only God sees, some people might see, but that's not the focus and reason. And now Jesus is going to shift and tell us, his followers, uh, how we should uh, view our, our, our attitude towards the things of this earth, earthly things. And so before we get into it, let me make a statement um, that Money is not evil, that possessing wealth is not a sin. Uh, These things are not a sin. Some people think the Bible says money is the root of all evil. They're not correct. Uh, The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, this is why we want you to be reading God's word for yourself. We want you to pick it up and, and, and see the words for yourself. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is our root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. That's a little bit different than the love of money is the, or the money is the root of all evil. It's the love of, uh, is a, uh, root, uh, a place that can take you into all kinds of evil. There are wealthy people in the Bible and there are poor people in the Bible. Abraham uh, was the father of faith and he was um, as rich as the kings of Canaan, the Bible tells us. He had 318 people working for him. He had his own militia, which he went to war with several times. Yet he was a man uh, who loved God in uh, despite his sinfulness. Joseph, um, the great-great-grandson of Abraham, was probably the second richest man in the uh, known world at the time, being the number two behind Pharaoh, and yet he used his wealth for God's purposes. And Job, another rich guy in the Old Testament, uh, he was uh, righteous and yet rich, and yet he lost it all, the Bible tells us. But then it says in chapter 42, verse 12, 
that so the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than the first. And in fact, it goes on to say he was even more wealthy uh, than he was in the first half of his life. In the New Testament, we see wealthy people, Nicodemus and Cornelius and Zacchaeus and Joseph of Aramaeth. There are wealthy people who follow Christ. There are poor people who follow Christ. It doesn't make you more or less of a follower of Christ if you have money. I know rich people uh, that really don't care about money. They don't crave money. It's there and fine. It's there. If it's gone, it's gone. They easily give it away. I know poor people that love money, that crave money, that desire, and they'll do all sorts of evil things to get it. But what Jesus is going to make his main point, if I could summarize the main point of today, is that Everything in the world is temporal. He wants to remind us of that. Everything on this earth, it's only here for a little while. You can't take it with you when you go. There's no U-Hauls behind hearses, as you've heard the saying. And that the only the things that you do for the kingdom will go with you. He wants us to focus on the eternal and not focus on the earthly. Let's pick it up in verse 19. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. The idea here is not to hoard, not to hoard earthly, worldly wealth. Uh, and, and, and it's funny because if you read it in the Greek, it doesn't make sense to us. He says, uh, literally, it says, do not treasure treasures. Okay, well, what does that mean, Jesus? Do not treasure treasures, Jesus is saying, uh, if you listen to it in the original language. But then in verse 20, he goes on to say, but, verse 20, do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where neither thieves uh, break in and steal it. So, do not treasure treasures in one hand and then do treasure treasures? Well, again, we have to bring it into context. What is Jesus talking about? Well, he's doing a, what's called a play on words. Jesus is really, a, he is God. He really is an eloquent speaker. And this is, he's doing what's called a pun. He's saying, don't treasure treasures that you're only going to leave on earth. Treasure treasures that are eternal. Things that will last forever. Those are the things that really should a Christian value. And in those days, in, in the ancient days, uh, people didn't have iPhone 26s and they didn't have Porsches and they didn't have Skidoos and Sea-Doos. They didn't have all the trinkets and gadgets that we have here in the West. And so uh, what did you do if you were one of the few people that had wealth? Well, you wanted people to know you're wealthy, so you wore fancy clothes. Purple was a color of wealth. Only rich people could afford colored clothing. And so that's why he says where moth would eat because it's the rich people he's talking to that think, oh, look at my fancy nice clothes. Aren't they wonderful? Aren't I special? And, and the reality is, is that most people uh, lived hand to mouth, meaning as do many, much of the uh, world's population, still they would just get enough for the day. Hand to mouth, that's the old saying. And so bartering was a big thing that people did. It's still a big thing in many countries. Only a few, uh, a small minority could afford to put their money in coins, in silver, in copper, in gold. Uh, so that's why he says to them where rust will devour or where people will break in and steal it. The average person didn't have anything for a person to break in and steal. But he's addressing, again, the Pharisees, the religious people who use God as a means to get wealthy for themselves. I've heard a lot of uh, 
Christians in my time say, well, as a Christian, you shouldn't uh, want to get rewards in heaven. And I get it to an extent. I get that your, your desire as a Christian shouldn't be primarily to get rewards in heaven uh, for yourself. But then I read the words of Jesus and I'm like, yeah, but he's, he's, he's like motivating us with it. Uh, he's saying, don't treasure treasures on earth, which we tend to do. Oftentimes it's, it's those Christians that are saying, well, you really shouldn't va- uh, work hard uh, for the rewards in heaven, but they're not working hard, uh, but they're working really hard for the treasures on earth. But here Jesus is saying, treasure the treasures that are eternal, the things that will last forever. Use your time on earth. Yeah, you've got to live. Yeah, you've got, you've got to buy clothes. Yeah, you've got to have a house. Yeah, you can have a retirement fund. Nothing wrong with those things. But if you're just stacking wealth, horizontally speaking, it's not feeding into the kingdom of God. It's not helping anyone. It's just I'm getting as much of it as I can. Essentially, Jesus is saying, that's where your heart is. You're just wasting your life. But he's saying, build up for yourselves vertically treasures that will last into eternity. So use your time, your talents, and your earthly treasures for the things that God says are important. Who remembers what this thing is? For some of you, yeah, you're old. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're old, Matthew, just so you know. You're like me. This is my old bank book. Some people are like, what's that? Well, this is a bank book. And in the old days... Uh, they used to, you'd go to the teller, right, and you'd give them some money, you'd take out some money, they, you'd give them your book, they'd stick it in a computer. My first one still have the writing in it when they used to write it in, uh, and, and they'd tell you how much money you had before the digital days. And this was your proof of your wealth. This was important. You needed to prove that you had your money, so you, tri- you like held this thing tightly. Well, sometimes I've thought about it, like the book of Malachi says, God has a book of remembrance. And Jesus tells us that uh, he will remember and give reward for uh, every cold glass of water given to somebody in need, uh, every, every person that you've helped, every, every person that you've comforted, everything you've done good for the gospel's sake, for God's sake, to help humanity or to bless God, will be remembered. And so have you ever thought about your bank book in heaven? Because everyone's got one, the Bible says. And, and the question is, is which is bigger? Your bank book on earth or your bank book on heaven? Where have you spent time looking to build up treasure? What would the book say if you died today and you stand before the Lord? And he says books will be open. Uh, there's the book of, of salvation, who has put their faith in Jesus. But there's another book uh, that says all the things that we've done, even the secret things, the things that nobody knows about are listed in this book. What would your book say? I uh, was thinking about it and I was reflecting on what a great week and and the volunteers and and you know a lot of the volunteers nobody will ever notice them nobody will thank them uh you know often people criticize there's always one or two people that will come forward and criticize something that wasn't perfect instead of thanking them for the 10 things that were wonderful and i was thinking about some of the seniors uh there's uh two ladies specifically that were down uh making snack every week uh every day they were there at uh 8:30 and they were uh leaving at afternoon and and they were there making the snacks for these 80 kids and the drinks and they'd bring them up and they'd serve them and and you know who saw even though other people didn't see Jesus. You know what I think when I picture uh, what uh, God was seeing when he was seeing Gloria and he was seeing uh, Marg down there? He's stamping their book. Thank you. 
Nobody else may notice it, but I appreciate it. You know what? When Steph, who's a teacher, gives his uh, time, and then he's supposed to be going on his break, but Steph, who's just up here, gives his time to help me lead games all week long, set up, tear down, kids squirting you in the face, hitting you in the face, with a grateful attitude. You know what the Lord was doing? He was cashing it in, building up rewards for Steph in heaven. I think about uh, Christine and uh, Christina and Angie, uh, mother, daughter, who were giving their time, leaders, helping little kids. Some of the times kids flipping out and, 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 and crying and yelling in their face and sometimes tough kids, but they were doing it with a smile on their face, loving those kids again. What are they doing? Building up treasures in heaven. I think about Peg, uh, Don, one of our elder, Don's wife, who, who, gives rides to people all the time. And a lot of the time, they don't give, other people don't give rides, but she's one of the few people uh, who gives rides to a lot of people who need to go to appointments. Again, other people may not notice, but the Lord sees Peg and is cashing. What would your eternal bank book say? I want you to remember, it's never too late to start making deposits. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you didn't do in the past. Today can be the day you start working for the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's he saying? Well, he's saying, if you make your treasure, if if what you really value is the things of the earth, your heart's going to be in the earth. I.e., sometimes we wonder why some Christians are like, it's like really loving and, and they really seem to be living out uh, what God says and God seems to be really working through them and, and, and people are drawn to them and, and they are, wow, God's bringing out giftings in them. Why is that? Because their eyes are focused on the Lord. Because their heart, their treasure is in the kingdom things. God is at work in them. And sometimes Christians can be like, oh, like they're miserable and uh, oh, they, there's not really much... Pro- fruit produced in their lives. Sometimes it can be because their eyes are focused on the things of this world. And because their treasure is the world, their heart is there also. And so you naturally become more and more like whatever it is you value. So what do some people value in the West? Well, some people value their lives in the West. Like, I don't just mean none of us want to just die. Like, I'm not saying we go out and get hit by a car. But, but we in the West, we so just want to live longer. Right? It's not about the quality of our lives. Like, what did I do with my time on earth? It's, I need more time. Oh, I hope I live longer. And I know my body is deteriorating and I don't really do much with my life, but I just need to live longer. Even though heaven is going to be a gazillion times greater than anything on earth, oh, I just need to live longer. And I'm like, why? Don't you realize what the, the Lord is, is preparing for us? And yet we so want to, we as Westerners, we so value more time on this earth. Some Westerners, they just value money straight up. Got to get more. Got to get more. Got to neglect my family to get more. Got to neglect my health to get more. Got to neglect God's kingdom to get more, more, more. I'm not satisfied with what I have or what God has given me. I need more. Uh, some people value uh, comfort, right? Some, sometimes we as Christians can value comfort. Ah, I, 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 I know that God's asking me to do that, and, and I know that this is what you do as a Christian, but it's uncomfortable. And because I value my comfort above the kingdom, that's where I'm going to stay. But sometimes we forget, what did the apostles do for the first three and a half years that they were following Jesus? They were like his roadies. 
They were like the guys setting up the crowds. They were the guys handing out the food. They were the guys bringing the, the sick people. They were serving. The apostles, I think, uh, became the men that they became. Part of the reason why is because they served. They learned that the master, to be the greatest in God's kingdom, you are a servant first. You're not a taker first. You're a servant first. I was talking to a guy on the beach about a year ago. He went to another church, and he was complaining about his church and uh, why he didn't go to his church anymore. And he said, you know, like, I, 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 there's just so many men in the, there that are just hungry. We want to we wanna do something. Uh, we really want to matter. And, and, but they just want us to do, like, children's ministry and, like, greet and, like, help out with the kitchen. And, and, and I'm like, okay, well, <clears throat> no, what else are you wanting to do? Like, we're in a roundabout way. Oh, I'd like to be teaching, and I'd like to be leading. And I'm thinking in my mind, wait. Wait a second, aren't the greatest teachers and the greatest leaders, those who serve first in the uncomfortable places, in the hard places, isn't Jesus the one who said, let the little children come to me? And yet we often want the glorious positions without understanding that they are servant position first. We can see it right in the, what, what Jesus valued. Look at the life of Jesus and the, the death of Jesus and the burial of Jesus compared to the... Uh, Burial of King Tut. And some of you have seen King Tut's uh, stuff maybe at a museum. He was uh, one of the kings, the boy king. And what, what was amazing was uh, some of his remains were still intact. And they found his sarcophagus, his tomb, with all the stuff. Grave robbers hadn't got in and stolen it yet. And so what they found is that King Tut's grave, because the Egyptians believed you could take your wealth, earthly wealth, with you to eternity. And so what they found is a wooden casket uh, covered in gold. And all around the cave was gold and jewels and valuable silver and all these precious things. Because he believed when he died, he'd take it with him. But compare that to the grave of Jesus the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who gave his life to serving and laying down his life for others. And how is he buried? In a simple cave with no riches, with no jewels. Yet one, King Tut, died and went to eternity without any treasures, nothing. The other, Jesus, rose, defeated death, and is now in heaven enjoying all the glory of, of heaven and all the treasures of heaven, and he's now going to give out the rewards to all those who love him and yearn for his returning. It's quite something to compare the world's view of successful life and the Christ's view of a successful life. Then he goes on, verse 22 and 23. The eye of the lamp, the eye of the lamp, sorry, the eye is the lamp of the body. Your eye is healthy. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Jesus is carrying on the same uh, line of thought. This is about what you treasure in your life and what it does to you. Uh, The idea is that what we focus on often is what we become. Those who focus on the world often are filled with darkness. Why is all the suffering and misery and hate and and all the things in the world going on? Because people aren't full of Christ. They're not full of the light of the world. They're full of darkness. They focus on the earthly things, and so their desires are evil. Sometimes as Christians, we can can have one eye on the the world and one eye on heaven. And I I think of it like, if you ever look through binoculars, right? When, When you put binoculars up to your eyes, what happens? You often get two views, right? It's distorted. Can you have to bring them together and focus it in so that both eyes are looking at one picture? 
And sometimes Christians walk around with a distorted view of life and everything is confusing and, and they're partially in the light and they're partially in the darkness. But what Christ calls us to do is to focus, as we're going to see next week, focus on the kingdom first and let God take care of the earthly second. Then in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, since neither he will hate the one nor, or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Here's the bottom line that God is going to lay out for us. He's, he's saying, it's not what you own that makes you, but it's who owns you that makes you who you are. Who owns you? Who's your master? Jesus is getting across. And who have you become enslaved to? It's not that hard. You can probably look at who commands your uh, life. Who is in control of you? What do you chase after? The things that are temporary? Or are you focused on the things that are eternal? Whose voice overrides the other one? Is it the voice of Christ, the God of eternity, or is it the voice of the God of this world, Satan? Who is your master? Because Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. That's the basic principle that Jesus is saying here. And he's talking to people living under uh, Roman authority, right, to a conquered people. And historians say that half upwards of Two-thirds of the Roman citizenship were slaves. We're talking white slaves, black slaves, Asian slaves, slaves. And so when Jesus says no one can serve two masters, it's, a, it's an understanding they very much know. Some of them listening would have been slaves. And so the idea is here is, is anyone who's under slavery knows you can't be a part-time slave. Right? You, you can't be, you can't say, oh, well, I run a business on one half of my day and then I'm a slave the other half of the day. Right? You're a slave all the time. That's your place in life. You can't serve two masters, Jesus is saying. And what he's really saying is you can't be a part-time Christian. You can't say, I serve the world in one half of my life and then I serve Christ in the other half of my life. You still have to live. You still make a living. You still have a retirement. All of these things, you can still enjoy the good things in life. But one of them is your master. And the other one is just a secondary thing. Which is it in your life? You know, as I conclude, I've been doing a lot of thinking over the last two years as I've watched the world go through this and watched the church go through the things that it's been going through. And as I'm getting up there in age and I'm realizing probably uh, less time is ahead than time is in the rear or sorry, more time is in the rear than is up ahead of my life. And the time is, is running out. And I hear that tick, 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 the days, the months, the years of my life going by. And, and I'm, I'm really realizing the important things in life. And a lot of the things I chased after when I was younger, oh, I wanted to win medals. And oh, I wanted to be on the, uh, in the newspaper. And, and oh, I wanted to be this somebody. But the medals, they're going to be in rusty graves one day and the praises from people they fade they don't really matter and God has really been showing me what matters in life what I value really matters and and I've been really like like the family he's given me that matters that's valuable to God my marriage God says this is the primary relationship you need to invest your time in in your human relationships and am I valuing my wife am I investing in my wife 
my children. I only have them for a certain amount of time. I can make money later. I only have these kids. And he says, raise them up, disciple them, show them my love. I've been asking myself, am I doing that? Or am I leaving to other people to do? He's been showing me that the church matters. The church really matters to God in a way that I don't think we Westerners really get. In, in Kaya, the church is everything. Like, they are a family. They survive with each other. Here, well, we can see each other, and that's fine because we have our rest of our lives. But the church matters. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I almost quit a couple times this last couple of years, and, and I really was wrestling through whether I could stay on in ministry uh, a lot longer. And it wasn't because of, like, the hours or anything, because the army had more demanding hours. It was really this. The hardest part of ministry, the part that ate away at me, was seeing people in their patterns of sin and their dysfunction, and and they're just caught in these webs of sin, and they just can't get out, or they they're just not willing to. They know the they know the the voice of God. They they know His Scripture. They know what He's asking them to do. But whether they're well, not willing or they're not able, I don't know. But it's so painful to see people destroying their lives and destroying the lives of other people. But I realize that it's important to God that we, the church, are to be there for each other. Not superficially, but there to walk through the hardships of life. And I realize that those people matter to God, that he desires for them to know him, that he desires us to be a light, that he manifests himself through to them. I've been realizing that they matter. Charles his wife, those kids, those refugees who we don't know their names, they matter to God. And that they are worth going without a few meals to focus on prayer, to give our time to praying for, to give our money to helping keep alive. These are the things that matter to God. These are the things that we do that will last into eternity. And so I encourage you next Thursday and throughout the week, to be sacrificing for them, to be praying for them, and your lives to really take a look at which book are you building up. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the people that have come here today uh, to worship you. I thank you for the little children. I thank you for the middle-aged people, uh, the parents uh, who work hard, who are tired. I thank you for the seniors, Lord, uh, who have come out and, and have a wealth of wisdom and experience that they could be pouring in uh, to these younger people. I pray for them as their bodies are getting older and they, they find this really hard and it, it can be sometimes disheartening, Lord. But wherever we are, God, I pray you would help us to be a people who live, who treasure the treasures of eternity and who live for the kingdom. And God, that you would use us, a little church in Gravenhurst, uh, for the years to come to live and build your kingdom. Help us, God. Help those who are suffering. Uh, help those who are disheartened to find hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to thank you for coming, and if you need prayer, uh, I'll be up here. Gary will be up here, and we'd love to pray for you. If not, I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.